Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. I like it when the cold cases get solved, but in terms of his music and all that crap. I love it. Phil, we're live on uh, Surviving the Survivor, which... <laughs> But you heard it. You heard him complete uh, honesty there. He likes when homicides are solved, and we are live on Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime. I don't know who's more dangerous to bring around, Carm or Uncle Phil Waters. Uh, you know him well. He is America's most respected detective, the owner of Kindred Spirits Investigation, the former host of The Interrogator, which he wishes was called The Interviewer. And uh, Phil Waters has investigated over 400 homicides. And if you were at CrimeCon, uh, you would have seen him in action. He did an interactive uh, interview, and uh, the audience had to guess which way Detective Phil Waters was going to go. And I'm going to try to bring that over to Surviving the Survivor uh, because Phil is one of the most respected, sought-after guys. We might have to put that behind a paywall. Let me know if you'd like to go through an actual interview for a small fee so I can make sure it's worth Phil's time. But uh, it's something that we are looking to do down the road. And then, of course, we've got the FBI, Scott Duffy, 20 years as an FBI supervisory agent in Delaware, uh, spent five and a half years before that in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I don't even have notes for this. I know this so well. Met both of these guys at CrimeCon. I feel like they're my brothers and slash an uncle. Phil is a half brother, half uncle to me. And uh, love these dudes. And we're going to talk about CrimeCon in a minute. But we've got breaking news. An arrest in the Tupac Shakur murder. It happened 27 years ago. In 1996, Scott jokingly asked who he was. I said he was a famous falsetto opera singer. Of course, we just kid. We all know Tupac, a legend of the rap game. Phil Waters, you're on top of all the news all the time. 1996, 27 years, an arrest comes. It's someone that they've known about for years. Were you surprised to hear this news on a quiet Friday afternoon that is shocking the music world well surprise is not the word i would use uh i'm always interested and and glad to see when any cold case is solved regardless of who it may be this one was of course was a big a big deal and those we had uh, several rap record studios in Houston, and I've worked a couple of those, whatever they call it, whatever that genre is. Uh, it's not my style, but it's kind of the same same song with just a different bass line over and over again. But uh, the uh, I'm, stu I'm stunned to find out that Phil Waters is not a big gangster rap fan. Are you, Scott? Uh, I would Can think you imagine I'm that? Can you imagine that? Yeah, um, I love it. But the... Uh, there's always been this rivalry between the gangster rap studios, and uh, he was a casualty of that. And 
Then we had Diggy Smalls, you know, he was another one. Um, so there've been a, there, and there's been a, we've had a couple in Houston, you know, local rap guys that have been involved in that genre and have suffered the consequences thereof. So it's, it's not terribly uncommon, but again, I'm glad to see that they've solved that, that homicide. That's going to bring, uh, certainly I'm sure to his fans, that's going to bring some peace of mind and his family and so forth and so on. So that in and of itself is a good thing. And uh, you mentioned Biggie Smalls, the COE, a huge Biggie Smalls fan, so much that my little one has a Biggie Smalls T-shirt that he uh, okay, wears. You need, to burn that. That, you need to burn that. <laughs> now, Dom's mom here, 725, says, hello. This is a perfect example. Hello, STS fam. This episode is so right up my alley. I was the biggest Tupac fan in my teen years. Posters all over my walls. I had posters of the supermodel Paulina Portskova just to date myself. And uh, I met her recently in Miami, and it's not what I imagined. Let's just. I had Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett. That's a, that's a smart move right there. And I met Farrah, by the way. And how was she? How was she? She was a very sweet person. Um, I met her. I was working an extra job uh, security for a movie theater, and she's from Champions Forest. Well, she's actually from Corpus Christi, but. Her parents lived in Champions Forest there outside of Houston, and she came into a uh, movie theater one Sunday night and with her mom and her son, Ritman, and he was probably about 12, 13 years old, and, and she went to see Face Off with John Travolta and Nicholas. I remember that movie. Uh, so was Great this, movie. Great movie. But, this uh, is past the, past the heyday, but like still when she was okay. Oh, no, 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 no. She was... She was beautiful. She was um, very gracious because I was like an idiot. You know, I walked up to her, hey, you know, <laughs> and uh, I asked her to send me a an autographed picture because the guys at work would never believe it. <laughs> and so she was very gracious. She sent me a, uh, a uh, autographed picture and it said, uh, you know, great meeting you. Love Farah. I still got it. It's a uh, it's a collector's item. So yeah, very nice. But anyway, I digress. Oh, by the way, I, I'll send you, I'll send your boy a George Strait T-shirt. And please do that. I'm actually I love Outlaw Country, even though I'm not a music guy. I got to say I don't know much about anything. I do have to say, and once again, I'm wondering what new people are thinking right now when they come on a Friday. This is not normal. This is aberrant behavior, but it is a normal Friday behavior. But um, I had a huge, a massive crush on Phoebe Cates from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, everybody did, right? Uh, swimming pool. Yeah, the swimming pool scene. I mean, just and I was in love with her. Scott Duffy, by the way, Dom's mom, she said, I cried for days when Tupac was killed. That is the significance. Scott Duffy, who was your uh, teenage crush? And then what do you think about this news? Um about this Tupac uh, arrest and the murder of Tupac Shakur. Teenage crush first. It Charlie's Angels. There you go. Can't Ooh, go wrong with that. And, and then, of course, Bo Derek. Bo Derek. Bo Derek. Who is the other one? Who was the first one? Charlie's Angels, all three. Oh, and three. Friend, Yeah. What <laughs> you're, just, you're into some weird stuff there. Uh, He's greedy, now. man. He's greedy. <laughs> Scott Duffy. I didn't bring 19- up this topic. 
1996, one of the most legendary rappers of our time, of forever, is murdered on the Vegas Strip. By the way, Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Detective Phil Ramos was a active homicide detective in Vegas at the time of the murder. He was there for Tupac Shakur's autopsy. He's going to be on the show Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go all in on Tupac Shakur and Meve Moen, otherwise known as Steve Cohen, our producer. He is a rap aficionado, um, believe it or not, and he's going to get us, you know, Big guest for Sunday night. I told him to get me Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, whatever his name is these days, uh, which, by the way, P. Diddy is alleged to have orchestrated this whole crime. Uh, I wonder if he's worried tonight. But Scott Duffy, um, on a macro scale here, what about the fact that one of the world's best known rap artists murdered in 1996 today, all these years later, an arrest is announced? What do you think of that? Yeah, just just like Phil was saying, it's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, it seemed like these were happening um, like one after another and people were worrying because it's, it, you know, the the early days. It, it is a tough scene when the early days of rappers coming up and whatnot. This is not against the music. This is not against the person. But the reality of so much gang activity was involved in this. You, you, you just had inherent violence, whether it be out of jealousy or whatever. Somebody's uh, made it to the top or the other is still struggling. So um, th this news of, of an arrest, and then especially as it seems like it's come through uh, another celebrity, that I, I think this is just the beginning of a road of more arrests. Mm, interesting. More arrests. Uh, by the way, shout out to Obrusty. Uh, made it to a live. Have not seen your name before, so welcome. I have seen Abby Tahahahaha. She's here, as is uh, our moderator named hey, after a our moderator named after a rapper. I am not T Pain. Um, Tali from Israel is checking in. Uh, by the way, what is what is Tali's comment? If you think about it, is not that shocking. Kefi D. I had to ask. Meve Moen, how to pronounce this. It's spelled different. Uh, the AP spells it with two Fs and one E, so Kefe D, but it's pronounced Kefe D. He said plenty of time he was in the car. We always knew Orlando was connected, but finally an arrest. So uh, on to that, uh, the details of this, um, Phil Waters. So this guy, Keefe D, is one of the last living witnesses to the fatal drive-by shooting. I believe everyone involved is either in prison or dead right now, uh, died after the fact. Again, this was on the strip after a Mike Tyson fight in 1996. And we find out today that a Nevada grand jury uh, has been convened for quite some time, and they indict this guy on one count of murder uh, with a deadly weapon. And by the way, uh, this is, I can pull it up here. What's going on here? What's going on here? This is the man who was arrested, Dwayne Keefe D. This is how the AP spells it, a little different. 60 years old, one of the last living witnesses to Tupac Shakur's fatal drive-by. Phil, he's charged with one count of murder with use of a deadly weapon with a gang enhancement. What does that mean? Is that a silencer? What does that mean? Well, no, the deadly weapon just means that he used a firearm. Uh, 
that's that's the deadly weapon that was used. And what's the what's yeah. the gang enhancement part of this? Well, it's as most of these guys in this genre are, they are affiliated with some sort of gang. Uh, I'm sure this guy may have been. This may have been a secondary component because there's been a uh, rivalry for years and years and years uh, between the Crips and the Bloods. So if if uh, this Mr. Kefi D was... That's Keefe to you. Keefe, like Keefe. Oh, okay. Like well, Keith. however you pronounce Dwayne's name. Yes. Uh, so the um, depending on what he's affiliated with, and I do not recall who Tupac was affiliated with or associated with, but um, it was Suge Knight. Of- You're asking the wrong guy, but Suge Knight was with him that night. And oh again- yeah, Suge was with him, and and I think was Suge a Crip? He may have been a Crip. But anyway, so the gang enhancement is because of that. This was not only a a uh, murder with the use of a firearm, deadly weapon, but it was uh, the gang enhancement is that is because of the gang affiliation and the activity associated with it. Hmm. Um, so Scott Duffy, just to kind of riff off of that with the gang enhancement parks, I'm still not completely clear, but uh, the deputy district attorney, a guy named Mark DiGiacomo, uh, announced all of this in court yesterday. And this guy, Keefe D, Dwayne Davis, uh, on the left here, who looks more like a a banker at Bank of America here than he does a rapper, um, he said he's been known to investigators for a very long time and admitted in interviews himself, including in a 2019 tell-all memoir, which is called Compton Street legend that he was in the Cadillac from which this gunfire erupted during the September 1996 drive-by shooting. Is it possible, Scott Duffy, that because of this quote-unquote tell-all book, I mean, that's obviously a resource for investigators. If you're investing this, investigating this case, you're obviously going to read that book, right? Do you think that that could have bit him in the behind ultimately? Well, it adds to the fact that, uh, as the report says, he's the last known witness. So he's in the car. And so one way or another, he just continues to put a nail in the coffin that he's he's there. You know, many, many times it may be where somebody says they're a witness and they're, you know, then they try to take themselves out of it. But when when you're writing a, a tell-all book and you put yourself in there, then it, it, it's easier for law enforcement to say, okay, that's one thing we don't have to prove because he's uh, he's given it to us, you know, n- not only back then as a witness, but then continuing on and what more he writes about in his book. So it goes to show it's, you know, commit a murder. They're just, it's never going to be a closed case until an arrest is made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, did you happen to read the 2019 memoir, Compton Street Legend? Is that on your bookshelf, Phil Waters? No. Uh, Tali in Israel says, come on, Uncle Phil. We know you blast hypnotize in your Ferrari. Um, I don't even know what that means. Let me tell you something. Someone's watching this and immediately going, oh, my God, these three white dudes are so embarrassing and turning this off. Oh, well, I'm going to get the old dinosaur, uh, blah, blah, uh, blah, yeah, crap, yeah. which I don't care. 
I mean, this is this but, is even a- after my time, kind of. I just I, I don't know, but, but back to your back to your gang thing. Yeah, that so, I want to get a little so, more clarified. Are you so saying just was, because he was a- uh, Death Row yeah. Records was affiliated with, which was Suge Knight was affiliated with the Mob Piru in L.A., which is a I think it's an offshoot of the Bloods, and they were always getting into it with the Compton Crips. And so uh, Tupac, while he was signed to Death Row Records, I don't think there's any documentation that he was affiliated in the sense of membership or anything else with either the Bloods or the Crips. As a matter of fact, he kind of tried to split the baby and kind of associate with both of them because he's seen in pictures with – wearing a red bandanas, which would be a, a blood bandana color. And he's been seen wearing blue bandanas, which is a crip color. So, um, there's the blue that, bandana. That may, have something to do with it. that may have had something to do with it. Uh, and they may have been targeted. Actually, they, they may have been targeting a uh, Suge Knight for that matter. And Tupac's the one that bit the bullet, so to speak. But, uh, so the gang affiliation thing is just all because of the association with the gang activity and this this particular murder. And uh, people don't realize that Tupac was only 25 years old. He was a rapper, an actor. I mean, he was it's uh, kind of the Elvis of the rap game. The guy is myth uh, mythological at this point. Uh, William M. wants to know if Phil loves the song Ghetto Gospel by Tupac, an amazing song. Uh, Phil is going to listen to that in his new yellow Ferrari. Um, Brian Joe says Face Off is a great movie. Uh, so we've got that. Um, Scott Duffy, just elaborate a little bit on what Phil Waters was saying, because I am slow on the uptake. So was Phil saying that because they're involved with gangs that there is this gang enhancement is there a greater penalty because you are a gang member is that what's going on here yeah so every every state is different right and and so you have nevada california has some very good um civil and criminal gang laws while other states because they don't have a gang problem you may not have a gang statute for example there's a shooting. Well, murder is murder. You're going to get, and what? It, let's just say there's a conviction and, and it's life or whatever's left of his life in prison. What, why an enhancement? What does that mean? So it's just, it just goes to add, it's, it, it allows prosecution to bring in the reason why this is, is not just because somebody hated somebody, somebody dissed somebody or this. It was as a result of their direct involvement in a gang and uh, thereby this was some sort of gang retaliation or gang infighting. So you're going to add that enhancement. And so I'm guessing from from the actual charge that Nevada has a great gang law. So in in other words, let's just say you do a robbery of of an elderly victim. Many states have the, uh, uh, the senior status enhancement. So you would you would say, hey, this a vulnerable victim. Not only did you rob somebody, but you robbed somebody of a declared senior status age. And, and so there's an enhancement. It's a bump up in, in um, you know, if there's a conviction in sentencing, but, but it also allows prosecution to bring in more to the story. So that's, that's why. 
you have this gang enhancement saying, hey, this is this is definitely a gang related homicide. And Cammy T saying Tupac was best when he was socially conscious and tried to uplift and empower, and empower people. Frankie Figs, friend of the show, y'all are showing your age with Fast Times uh, at Ridgemont High. Great movie. Uh, what a good movie. Um, and uh, Abby Taha showing her age. I still have a crush on Zach from Saved by the Bell. Ah, is, ah, that the, is that the one that died? Who's One of them just died, right? Um I don't know which one. I never watched any of those shows. I was such a nerd. Even when I was a little kid, I would listen to like radio, like news radio. I was such a news geek. Oh, my God. Uh, look at this, uh, Phil Waters. Not mutually exclusive. Britt K says, I'm a big Tupac and George Strait fan. Open your mind, Phil. Speaking of opening your mind, Phil, where is Nugget? Well, no to that. And... Um... <laughs> I think Nugget. I think Nugget went upstairs. Mm. He's not Nugget. a two pack. She's not a two pack fan. So I think Nugget she, can't. Nugget. Nugget absolutely hates Friday. She's like, I can't believe it's that time of the week again. I'm out of here. Uh, Chelsea Whitaker says Snoop and Dre, please. I've seen Snoop in concert a couple of times, um, which is kind of funny because I live in Miami and I cover a couple of Super Bowl parties, and Snoop was uh, playing there. And one time I was in Vegas. And he was playing there, and it was really funny because uh, he was trolling uh, the audience most of the time, which was hilarious. Well, you but, know, Snoop is a Crip gang member. I guess he's formerly, but uh, yeah, I mean, he no, came from this. No, 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 no. It's current, there's current. No, there's no former to that. It's like he's a Marine. A it's like a Marine. Like once you're a Marine, always a Marine. And he's a Phil, Phil Waters. So this um, DA. Uh, the Clark County Chief Deputy District Attorney, this guy, uh, Mark DiGiacomo, he described this guy, Dwayne Davis, as the quote-unquote on-ground, on-site commander who ordered the death of Tupac Shakur. Now, they admit he wasn't the trigger man, but what does this mean for prosecuting this case? And By the way, my last my that was the question. But to add on to that question that you didn't answer is they've known about this guy the entire time. So what happened, do you think, between then and now that 27? I mean, they've known about this guy the entire time. Why 27 years to finally arrest him? Phil. Oh, I thought you're talking to Scott. Now I'm talking to you, Phil. Scott, would you like to answer this question? I've already. Uh, I thought you were the biggest Tupac fan, so well, Scott, already, Scott, you answer. I'm already, so already going to get the hate because no, I no. Let me rephrase it to Scott. Then Scott, they, they have known about this guy. He's not mm -hmm. the trigger man. He's been in the picture since 1996. I mean, he wrote a book about it. Why would it take 27 years to arrest him? I would. I would imagine something evidentiary came forward. So, you know, it's like anything else. And in many cases that we cover, especially with known, you know, you have a, a spouse out there who kills the other spouse, but no arrest has been made. And and people are wondering when you're going to arrest, when you're going to arrest. It all comes down to what can you prove in court? And so, you know, word on the street is they knew exactly who's involved, what circle. They weren't looking for who done it. It was looking for what is going to be that final piece that would hold up in court. So 
they either have a fantastic witness that is, um, you know, is just able to say this is what happened and here's the evidence and or something else that came forward and finally um, broke this thing wide open. Mm. Uh, NJ Coolchick, I'm jealous. I met Phoebe Cates and her husband, Kevin Klein, the actor in the Atlanta airport like 25 years ago. She was just as pretty in person. Probably my biggest crush, I would have to say. Next to my next to the COE, of course. Uh, ski hat, Sarah. Phil, I'm just going to continue on here because I want your take on this. What took so long? They knew about this guy for 27 years. What could have changed in the last weeks, months, days, years? I mean, and, and what about this like grand jury that was convened? What what could have happened behind the scenes in your estimation? Well, who knows? Like Scott just said, obviously something evidentiary changed. I mean, I had cases that I knew who did it. I just didn't have that one piece of evidence that would put me over the edge to get them charged and indicted. So uh, we'll find out more when the indictment comes out and, and it's if it's uh, unsealed. Um, and we'll get more details in the affidavit about what they did put together that has resulted in this arrest. I mean... The, I mean, who knows? It could be anything from a another witness that's come forward and they were able to corroborate what the witness said. It could be uh, a confession from him and they corroborated what he told them and what they already knew and so forth and so on. So, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no telling uh, where it came from, but obviously something popped up and I, I'm sure there are there are other suspects that they're looking at as well. And maybe this kicks the door open to get those other people in custody. And uh, Scott Duffy made the bold statement that more arrests are coming. And I don't know much about this. I got to say about the backstory, but I was looking on Twitter and some people are saying that P Diddy, Puff Daddy, whatever his name is these days, Sean Combs uh, needs to be concerned because uh, you know, he had uh, directed some people to possibly, uh, put this hit out there. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they collect. But Scott Duffy, so this guy, Dwayne Keefe Davis, uh, is 60 years old now. Um, and, you know, he's put on the years. Time has passed. They arrested him just this morning while he was on a walk near his home in the Las Vegas suburb of Henderson. So he was living there. And we find out, Scott Duffy, that in mid-July, police actually raided his home, uh, this guy, Dwayne Keefe Davis. They were looking for items, quote-unquote, concerning the murder of Tupac Shakur. They collected multiple computers, a cell phone, and hard drive, a Vibe magazine that featured Shakur, several 40 caliber bullets, two, quote-unquote, tubs containing photographs, and a copy of Keefe Davis's memoir. Again, Scott, what blows me away about this is this 27 years and this guy's sitting right there. What change? I mean, how, why would they execute a search warrant just this past July? And, 20, and 27 years later, you'd expect things to be so different. Look at Phil's phone going off again. Uh, Scott Duffy, why? Is it, it's all good. The, Phil's going to go talk to the Ferrari dealer for an hour now <laughs> to make sure the tires are shined properly. Um, Scott Duffy, why the search warrant in July? So search warrants can be obtained when something new has, has arisen in the case. 
they're not going to pull something out from 27 years ago and say, well, we forgot to do a search warrant. Let's go do a search warrant. So something happened. And even though every state, federal, state, local are different with regards to what is evidence or or um, the, uh, the the what is used to get uh, obtain a search warrant can go stale. So something happened relatively close to that uh, date of the search warrant that was able to be fresh, new, relevant, and put into a probable cause. So the probable cause to do a search warrant is probably very close to the probable cause uh, for the affidavit for the arrest warrant. They're going to probably be very similar. And, and so police investigators execute that search warrant and, um, you know, talking about the gang enhancement, taking pictures and whatnot, you, you want to, you have to now prove that he was in a gang, part of this gang and, and so be it. So they're, they're proving a gang affiliation. And so thereby, you know, for the many searches that I had done on gang members, you want those photographs because they can deny, deny in court, but photographs are a thousand words and they say otherwise. Um, so that, so something happened relatively. Give give uh, me an example of what is, what is a sort of thing that could happen that would trigger a search warrant? I mean, is it something that a prison snitch said? Is it something that was in his memoir that was overlooked? I mean, what sort of thing is it that could trigger this search warrant to be executed, Scott? The, the memoir, I'm, I'm guessing, is not because you said that it came out in 2019. So that's that's dated. It it would be either a statement that is said. It could be something. Hey, you know, you you could have a prison call that somebody is saying to something. Hey, the cops are getting close to something. Move a gun. Move this. Move a piece of evidence. And and if there's an over here, that's like, hey, we have we have what we're looking for. I. I don't, other than some of the facts back then, I don't remember exactly what was not found. For example, if a weapon was never recovered, so you said they took 40 caliber, they're not going to take 40 caliber um, ammunition unless it was a 40 caliber that was used in the homicide. And I, and I don't know off the bat. So just from listening to that, I believe that a 40, 40 caliber weapon was used and uh so things like that that something happened whether it be um you know a, a picture that was sent anonymously or something to say here's what you need and and as soon as they've received whatever that vital piece of evidence was they the clock is ticking to execute a search warrant it could be 10 days you know, it all depends what what the court requires then. But I, I would say at, at the very least within 30 days of the execution of that third, uh, search warrant, they received that vital piece of information that just skyrocketed the, uh, the case. And by the way, Suge Knight, as William M. is pointing out, is in uh, prison. I don't think he's in federal prison. I think he's in state prison. Um I plead the fifth says, why now? It's a question that I'm continuing to ask. Keefe D has always said he was in the car. He was trying to turn his life around. Uh, Phil Waters, a couple more things on this, and then we'll move move forward. But uh, 
surviving the survivor, man. I'm a news guy. We ebb and flow with the news. The story broke as I was driving back to get ready for the podcast. And I was like, we got to do this. So the uh, DA, uh, a guy named Steve Wolfson, this is another uh, district attorney. Um, Phil Waters, I'd like to get your take on this quote he gave at the press conference. He says, and I quote, it has often been said that justice delayed is justice denied. In this case, Justice has been delayed, but justice won't be denied. Uh, what do you think of that? Is it ever too late for justice, Phil Waters? No, never too late. And that's what I expressed at the beginning of this discussion. I'm uh, glad and happy that those detectives have stuck with it. And I can tell you that anytime I had a case that was a prolonged case that, and if it's went on for any length of time, once that's brought to a conclusion by an arrest and a successful prosecution, it's, that's the best feeling in the world. And it, and it goes, extends, again, in this case, if it's a high-profile thing like this, it extends to the family and it extends to his fans. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is good news. This is a, this is a good thing. I've, I've, whenever this has popped up, I, I take a glance at it because I'm interested in a cold case, especially one that is this high profile. And so now that they've made an arrest, and again, we're just going to have to be patient here. We'll, we'll see at some point, either in the indictment or the affidavit for the arrest warrant, what was the cause of this arrest on this person that they've known, for, known about for a length of time. So if they arrested him in the manner in which you're saying, I would have to believe that he had not made a statement that was contrary to anything he had stated before. Perhaps there is uh, an, what we would call an admission witness where he has gone and he has actually made an admission to that. Yeah. You know, I was there, I did it. I took the gun. I did you know, whatever, whatever his part in that was. And, uh, and when told the authorities that, this guy did it, and then perhaps they sent that person back in. They've got him on tape. Making, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that could be going on here. So mm. uh, we'll know when the uh, when the affidavit gets gets released. I think. And uh, Cammy adding that Tupac studied ballet and poetry. He was a very talented guy at a prestigious art school. He should have stayed on that path and stayed away from Suge. Um, a lot of people are writing about this. Uh, Keffy D made jokes about how he took care of Pac on uh, Vlad's talk show. He talked and bragged a lot for a long time. Uh, I got a tweet, Scott Duffy, and I forgot to write the person's name down, but they tweeted at me and said that um, this guy, Dwayne Davis, admitted years ago, why take this long to arrest him? He went on camera and said that Puffy, P. Diddy, paid for the hit, Puffy next. Um, Scott Duffy, uh, what are investigators doing right now? Um does a guy like, I mean, he's super wealthy, super high profile, obviously has evolved quite a bit. But um, if this is in fact true, if it is true, does a guy like P. Diddy or Puff Daddy, whatever his name is these days, does he have reason to be worried um, if a guy like Dwayne Davis, you know, either flips on him, turns on him, has evidence against him? I would say anybody in the gang that had any part Act, actionable part in the murder should be worried that is still alive 
And, you know, you have a high profile victim. So high profile murderers are not exempt from, from arrest. So it's, 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 um, it's definitely something that, you know, is a new starting point for investigators. And if they have what they have and they're able to, to show Keefe, Hey, this is it. And, uh, he, he's, he, the opportunity has been presented to him, as we all know, where, hey, this is your time to talk. And this this is um, this is we're not stopping with you. So it's, it's definitely anybody who is any involvement whatsoever absolutely should be worried, especially when when a big arrest is made like this. So many years later, it, it really does show to law enforcement. We're just not giving up. And uh, we haven't forgotten. So this. And, and to be clear, Scott, not to cut you off, even though I just did. Does it matter if you're incredibly wealthy and well known like P Diddy? Um, if there is, if he has responsibility in this crime, uh, that will not matter. I assume police will still go after him. Oh, absolutely. It's it's, uh, you know, money is only going to buy you some time if if you're absolutely a part of something regardless of who it is, you, you know, it's money will buy you the best attorneys. And, and so maybe you can stretch things out a little bit, but if the evidence is there and law enforcement is able to collect it, anyone who's attached to that crime is absolutely going to be arrested. Uh, Melanie says Keefe D did an interview on Vlad TV, admitting that he gave his nephew the gun to shoot Tupac. Uh, ski hat Sarah, sometimes ski hatless, but today it is ski hat Sarah, asking a good question here, and I know the answer. Is there a statute of limitations? Phil Waters, there is no statute of limitations on murder. Is that correct? That is correct. Is that across the board? Every state in the, in the union is like that? Uh, I, I don't know every law, but I would imagine so. I mean, it's 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 the one that has no statute of limitations, and that's why you see across the country you see cold cases that are forty years old that are being prosecuted successfully. So, yeah, there's no rest in an investigation when it's involving the the taking of a human life by an act of violence. Mm. Uh, this is important. Jody Johnston, Joel, I've been here since last November. I'm here almost every day or go back and forth and watch. If I can't make it live, I need you to call me a friend of the show since it's the highest honor. Jody Johnston, you're a master friend of the show. It's funny because there's certain names I see all the time and it's like a brain thing, I think, but I do see you all the time. You are a friend of the show as is fragilistic as is copper horse from New Jersey, Maureen Walsh, I'm not T-Pain, Sarah, all these people. I love seeing you guys. Gen X Granny, uh, who is now a mod. Tali, of course, in Israel. Dom's mom, Frankie Figs. Mo Dean, America's favorite troll. Um, Phil Waters, I'm going to leave you with a Tupac quote that I got off of Twitter. And this is very uh, fitting for the day. It says, through every dark night, there's a bright day after that. So no matter how hard it gets, stick your chest out, keep your head up, and handle it. I'm sure he wrapped it much better than I. That would have meant, that would have meant more to me had you wrapped it to me rather than read it to me. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to wrap that. Um, by the way, I got to say, Phil's not going to like this because he likes George Strait. But I do think 
objectively speaking, that Eminem is an absolute genius, a lyrical genius up there with the Shakespeare's of this world. I, I will stand by that. I have these arguments. I think that guy is an absolute genius. Uh, so I'll leave that there. Um, you will get to crime con. I promise you um, we'll do it. I don't know before the, you know, we all say goodbye, but another massive story going on today. Um, I had the distinct honor when I was at crime con of uh, speaking on a panel with Kerry Rawson who is the daughter of Dennis Rader, who is the notorious BTK serial killer. And it was moderated by Laura Engel, who is now doing work with News Nation. So check her out. She's an amazing reporter. And uh, she moderated it. I was expecting 50 people to be there. What do I know? You can't see past the front row. And we did a whole presentation. And afterwards, I said, oh, how many people were there? And they told me there were 3,000 people there. It was wild. But uh, Carrie's story is uh, amazing, how she's trying to get justice uh, for the victims uh, of her father and his uh, heinous crimes. But what's fascinating, Phil Waters, is Dennis Rader got caught because he loved the media attention and he was always playing cat and mouse with uh, your kind investigators and the media. Well, it turns out he just wrote a letter to Fox 23 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, your old state. And he was writing about uh, one of these cold case victims named Cindy Kinney. She went missing in Oklahoma back in 1976 from a laundromat. And there were some writings in his diary about how he there was a bad uh, laundry day, a bad wash day, I think is the exact terminology. And so investigators in Oklahoma have latched onto this. Well, he wrote um, a letter to Fox 23 Tulsa. This is the first graphic. I'm going to read it to you. And he's talking about the sheriff here. He says, coincidence is a big part of Sher Sheriff Verdon's research. Tell all is probably sort of a deal in a way I can tell more as long as I don't try covering something up. Only there is no others beyond the Wichita 10. I can't help bring closure on those cases or really help. Um, he is standing steadfast. Uh, he confessed to these 10 killings. What do you make of the fact that um, this notorious serial killer just wrote to a reporter in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What does that tell you? And how closely would you be looking at this letter? Well, Tulsa, Oklahoma is my hometown, by the way. I knew that. Uh, the uh, Well, he's finding another way to his own ego is being fed now with this resurgence vis-a-vis uh, -vis his discussions with Kerry. So he's back in the back in the saddle. And he is now doing what he did before, which was communicating with media outlets. And so he's right back where he was, and he's enjoying the limelight once again. And he will stir up more discussion because of, I guess what he's saying here, that there are no other people other than the, other than the 10 people that he did confess to killing. And but we have Carrie, of course, having describing when she's asking him, are there any more? And he's doing the thing. So <laughs> I would be 
given the typical ego of a serial killer and the intellect, I would be surprised if there are only 10. There may not be 100, but I would be surprised if there's not uh, a couple more. And I believe of these five cases that they're looking at now, two of them I think they have linked by some sort of either forensic or physical evidence to him. So um, he sounds to me as though he's just enticing further discussion between he and law enforcement is what it sounds like to me. He's not getting some more attention and he's, he's soaking it in and trying to encourage more of it. It's so fascinating to me because this guy is now 78 years old and Kerry says he's in very poor health, although his mind is very sharp, physical health. You know, his teeth are falling out. He's got scoliosis. He went from five foot 11 to five foot two. He's in a wheelchair, but it sounds like his mind, uh, according to Kerry, is still sharp as attack. Uh, thank you to Twyla Olson, uh, Joel CEO, Best Mods, Phil and Scott. Uh, prayers for his family. I think uh, that might be for Tupac. Uh, Kaz loves cakes. Made a live stream from Scotland. Thank you, Kaz, for watching from Scotland. Uh, this could be a bit much, but I and I won't don't want the job. But I someone said that the three of us should be on Mount Rushmore. That I like. That would be cool. I'd go visit us if we were on Mount Rushmore. But president, I don't want that job. Um, Scott Duffy. So it's kind of well known that Sheriff Eddie Verdon. He was holding up what was described as pantyhose ligature. Uh, I might have the shot here. Let me see. Uh, he was holding that up and there it is. Look at this. Ask and ye shall receive. This is the shot uh, right here. Eddie Verdon is holding up pantyhose ligature. So BTK responded to that and uh, he says it is not what it's being made out to be. Uh, and he went on to say, and Kerry has said this, that he used to hang potted plants like on the porch using pantyhose. So he was implying that it was a benign thing. He also, of interest, Scott Duffy, he submitted a handwritten timeline confirming many details that Fox 23 has reported, such as meeting with his daughter, offers of possible deals to avoid prosecution in exchange for offering answers to help families find closure, and meetings with multiple law enforcement uh, agencies, not just with Sheriff Burden and his team. And he went on to say about Sheriff Burden, he went on to say this, I like him as a person, but question his pursuit of me. Like I stated, where's the beef? That's he's dating himself. That's the old Wendy's hamburger commercial. Where's the beef? He has a job to do, part of being a sheriff. Scott, what do you make of this? So he presents a timeline. He admits that all these things are going on, that his daughter was there. Um, but he says, where's the beef? What psychologically, this has to be fascinating to you because I know you're, you know, you're, you're very invested. This is your world. Um, how would you react to an infamous serial killer writing this letter if you're investigating? I shouldn't make a correction unless I'm positive, but I used to work for Burger King. I think it was Burger King. Where's the beef? I don't think so. No, it, was Wendy. it was Wendy's, right? I think it was Wendy's. Was it Wendy's? Yeah. It was Wendy's. It was the, the old lady. lady. Where's the beef? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Me, th then I stand corrected. It, and maybe Burger King. Burger, and Burger, Burger King was having, you can have it your way. 
You're right. Yeah. Okay. The things you learn on this show are invaluable. Right. But where's yeah. the beef is definitely I'm gonna send the ad to Scott Duffy later. Please do. Well, <laughs> I will. But but Scott, what would you do if you're invest if you're Sheriff Eddie Verdon and now this guy is writing to a reporter at Fox 23? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the three of us had somewhat of a discussion where we were wondering if Dennis Rader is going to come out of this shell and start to seek the um, the media and the public's attention again. And look what has happened. He has done exactly that. He could have mailed that letter to his daughter. He could have mailed that letter directly to the sheriff or to any number one of the uh, of departments. He could have given it to the warden. He could have done so many things, but he chose, you know, Fox, the local Fox station. So it uh, I would be happy because what he's doing is he is he's opening up that line of communication saying, hey, don't talk to the press. Don't talk to this person, that person. Talk to me. Come get me. And so it's it's going back to the original days of this cat and mouse game. And ultimately, that led to his demise is um, and and others like him who have played this game with reaching out to media outlets or to, to victims, families. It's just, it's, um, you know, it, it ultimately just, and just like the, um, the Gilgo beach murders reaching out early on to, to victims, uh, families just can't let this go. Um, which ultimately I think goes to show this, these inflated egos and they want to be known, they want to be able to glorify in in their work, and so he's to to me as an investigator, I'd be like, game on, thank you. And so it's it's um it's it's he's opened up this door of communication, and let's see where it goes. It's I I I can't imagine what the end result will be, but I agree with Phil. It'd be you know it's been a long time since arresting and um, bringing all all the justice of, of these 10 cases and for him to have said nothing about furthermore. So it will be quite interesting what where this exactly will go. And I think uh, he wants to talk. Uh, the Angel Rock with Laura Lee Potvin. I never know if I'm saying your first name right, so I apologize. Of course, she is Dennis Potvin's cousin, the famous New York Islander. Sounds like BTK is indeed back in his element. Nothing with time on his hands, and he gets to play his cat and mouse game with the media, except they're not quite playing it the way he was before he was jailed. Ski hat Sarah. Look at this. Phil has other skills other than investigative. Phil knows his fast food knowledge. Uh, he was a He was a patrol officer he has to um phil waters here's a question for you your father was a cowboy you talked about it openly uh even at crime con uh your mother was a cherokee indian which is amazing you're as american as it gets phil waters now you phil are an alpha male uh whether you like it or not uh you like to solve cases i love it yeah uh you like to you like to be in control, solve things, and let's say you're investigating this. He's now taunting the sheriff. He's calling him Sheriff Cowboy. Let's say you were Sheriff Verdon, 
and he was calling you Phil Waters, Sheriff Cowboy. How do you keep as an alpha male, you're investigating this, how do you keep your emotions in check knowing he's playing mind games with you, Phil Waters? Well, I mean, you know, uh, he doesn't like Burden, and he's made that pretty clear, and he's insulting to him. <laughs> I don't know what kind of approach or discussion that Burden had with him that caused that. And I would treat him no different than any of anybody else I've ever interviewed. And I would hope that he would not have the same opinion of me as he has of Sheriff Burden. But Phil, I know you, you don't want to lose. You want to get this guy. And now he is in your head calling you Sheriff Cowboy. How do you negotiate that internally? Let's just say, let's say he was calling you Uncle Phil, although I say that with utmost respect. Let's say he was calling you Ferrari Phil, although I say that with utmost respect. Let's say you're investigating. He's like, oh, Ferrari Phil's on the case. How would you keep yourself from wanting to smack him in the head and uh, staying um, you know, on course. Well, I, I've, I've learned over the years that uh, what you don't do in the interview room or in the course of an investigation is react. You respond. So I don't give a crap what he says any more than I give a crap what all these, you know, haters say about me. So that's, that's really not going to be a factor in terms of trying to get to the truth. If he's willing to talk to me, I don't care what he calls me, you know, just, uh, the old Henny Youngman line, just don't call me late for dinner, you know? So I don't, uh, um, that's, that is just, that that's gamesmanship on his part. He tries to, he's trying to maintain control over the narrative. And that's why he's made contact with the media like he did before. He's back in the limelight again. He's stroking his own ego among other things. And so there you go. I'm just not going to get in a contest with anybody, doesn't matter who it is. You know, it, I'm not going to get into the minds bigger than yours discussion. Just ain't going to happen. Uh, Brianna says most serial killers seek attention at the end of their lives. Ted Bundy did the same thing, which is interesting. Uh, I love this comment, and I'll tell you why. From Gen X Granny, can we please have a rap battle between Joel, Phil, and Scott? Before we were true crime and when Carmen and I were just sitting around on Wednesdays interviewing people, Meve Moen said, you got to have MC Search on. I never heard of this guy. Uh, silly me. And we had MC Search on. Turns out he was a huge rap star, uh, a Jewish kid from Rockaway, Queens, who was in the band Third Base. Uh, they were selling out stadiums all across the United States. And he came on with Carm and... Uh, Kind of like Tupac. This guy was a very talented musician. He was in art school. He became a rapper around the same time as the Beastie Boys were huge. Long story short, he just did an impromptu rap about Karm, and Karm started rapping. So I'm going to have to find that and repost it. But you've got a rap battle between MC Search and Karm. It's one of the most legendary moments that no one has ever seen because we had about nine subscribers back then. But uh how far we've come, and I will repost that. Uh, maybe Space Coast can help us find that. He's helping out. Um, he's the man. I don't even know how to repost stuff, but Space Coast does everything. If I ask the COE, she's going to scream at me. She's doing too many things. Kids are taking her to the movies. It never ends. Um, 
So there's another very interesting set of comments here. Let me pull this up for you, uh, Scott Duffy. I'm, I want both your reactions to this. He wrote specifically about his daughter, Carrie, in this letter, who uh, become good friends with, who I just spoke on this panel with. And he calls her, he refers to her in the third person here, Rawson, in the thick of it. DLR, Dennis Lynn Raider feels, he's talking about himself in the third person, this is not a good move by Verdon. Raider feels Verdon has crossed a line. Um, Scott first, and I already saw that uh, movement from Phil, but uh, Scott, he's talking about himself in the third person. That's a little bit presumptuous, and he's literally telling the sheriff he crossed the line. What do you make of this? A serial killer who's upset that his daughter is getting more attention than he is, that he should be at the center of attention, that Verdon, the sheriff, and, and notice how he he's um, uh, calling these people by their last names, not, not, um, not it, not my daughter, not the sheriff. And, and so, um, he's, I, I can see that what has come about in the last few months has really jarred him and he wants to be a part of whatever in his head is going on with the, the media attention being poured into this. And you have a sheriff who's just doing his thing to get cold cases solved. And if there's a little bit of information that can help help him go to the finish line, great. And and uh, I I think we have the original, you know, this cat and mouse game that it just they he gets off on it. He gets off on it. This is part of him being able to be relevant again and. Uh, He's he's it just looks like he's nitpicking everybody, including his daughter, the sheriff and whoever else that may come about. That's getting attention for something that he believes he should be having. Uh, by the way, Trucker Scott says it was a Wendy's 1985 commercial uh, coming to my defense. Scott Duffy had the audacity to suggest. I, am, it I could stand have been corrected. A, yes. Audacity. Ah. Yeah. Suggest it could have been Burger King. Um, again, Phil Waters, uh, you are a professional observer of human beings. And this is interestingly written. He talks about his daughter in the third person. He talks about himself, DLR, Dennis Lynn Raider. It gives himself, you know, it's interesting. It's a BTK, but now he's calling himself DLR. And Raider feels Verdon has crossed a line. What stands out to you about this? Well, he's, he's the fact that he's addressing it, it's pretty obvious to me that Sheriff Verdon has pushed a button with Raider, and uh, he doesn't like it. So whether or not, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what the genesis was for Carrie to go in and, and speak with him after 18 years. If that was, was that, I mean, you probably know, Joel, was that something prompted by Sheriff Verdon or how did that even come about? Uh, the meeting, the in-person meeting. Yeah. 
Uh, I honestly, do, I honestly don't know, but I, my hunch is that Sheriff Ferdinand urged her because uh, it might provide more information. So that's my hunch, but I, I don't know. Well, I shouldn't. Well, his focus is on Verdon, right? He does not like Verdon, and I would imagine that, not knowing, I'm just assuming that it was the sheriff that arranged for Terry to go in and speak with him. And there's been this back and forth now, and he is now trying to criticize or insult Verdon, more than Sheriff Verdon, more than anything. He's trying to insult him, and depersonalizing the discussion by using this third person verbiage, even on himself. And I think it's just another guy that is very intelligent, thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And he's, he's found a different way to be rather patronizing and condescending and insulting to Sheriff Verdon because Sheriff Verdon, at least everything that I read is kind of the one that got this all stirred up again by finding this evidence and reopening these, these investigations. So uh, I think he has a, I think Raider has a very uh, personal, um, not to use the term that we've been using here over and over again, but he has a real personal beef. Uh, if we're wanting to know where the beef is, the beef right now is between Verdon and Raider. There you go, full circle moment. Phil Waters, great at that. Um, this is interesting. Christy Reynolds, a painter's daughter, says that's why BTK has sent the message to the reporter at Tulsa Fox Station 23 instead of through Kerry. He's ticked that his daughter is now getting his attention. Uh, followed by Patricia Burns here, Scott Duffy. BTK is so stupid, he thinks he's in competition with the Long Island serial killer, and he's losing, followed by this. Why do you keep giving this guy murder publicity? He's loving the attention and you're giving it to him enough. Bonnie Lee Lopez, who's a friend of the show, by the way, yelling at me, which I love on a Friday. Um, and then this Phil Waters, Toy White. Wait, Phil. Phil is from Tulsa. I was a TV anchor in Tulsa at KJRH in the late 90s. I actually love Tulsa. Good music scene, shockingly, and shopping, too. Uh, there you go. But uh I think Phil was in Houston uh, arresting people uh, in the 90s. Um, Scott Duffy, the bottom line here is uh, Fox 23 asked him, I guess, I don't know in what form, if they wrote a letter back or if they how they asked him this question. But they said to ask you bluntly, have you ever killed anyone outside of the state of Kansas? To which Dennis Rader replied, hell no. Um, Scott Duffy, how do you trust a notorious serial killer uh, if he's telling you that he has nothing to do with these other cases? Case closed. He didn't do it, right? It's yeah. Is it over? DLR said it. DLR said it. Thereby, it's it's gospel. Yeah. So what do you do? Um, do you do you zip your uh, attaché case and go home, Scott Duffy? By the way, you look great in a sport coat, Scott. I know it's not for me. Where were you coming from? Class. Oh. Look at that. Doesn't but dress up for I, me. Dresses for class. I, I didn't want to take it off and get into a. I wanted to remain. You, you look very well, professorial, very like a professor. But go ahead, Scott. Uh, what do you do? He's saying he had nothing to do with any of this. Yeah, the, uh, it, the, the letter just is is begging to. I want to be in the 
center of attention again. And so here he is, the center of attention, not everybody else who's trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and perhaps solve, if not one or more, cold cases that that have some some distinct possibilities, right? Not it's uh, not not just a guessing game. They're not just throwing darts at cold cases out there and saying, "Hey, could uh, BTK have done this one or that one?" There, there is some real analytical work that is being done by both uh, Kerry and and uh, the powers that be in law enforcement, and and so it is it is absolutely stirring up a conversation and perhaps getting some great uh, pieces of evidence. And BTK, regardless of the time that has passed, does not want to be left out. And so, you know, with, with regards to the, to the points of being made, he knows exactly what to do. And, and if he can go all the way back and start reliving, like it was day one, I think he, he uh, definitely wants to, I think, I think it's all a good thing. It's uh, he can't stay silent, and and it's a good thing because anything he does say is going to ultimately help law enforcement. It is going to help anything that anybody says. And Phil knows we love it when people talk. Let him say all the lies. Let him just continue to say what he needs to say, and I would never shut anybody down. So let let the writing continue. By the way, Copper Horse, New Jersey, best support. Thank you, Copper Horse, is through Patreon. Please support us there or uh, as a YouTube member. If you can't do that, please give us five stars on the uh, Apple podcast. That goes a long way. Thank you very much. Um, Look at this, Phil. Phil looks good in red. We love you, Phil. Uh, You got Cromudgeny, J. Thomas Reset, who we all love. They should be out arresting shoplifters, riders, muggers, robbers, not wasting their time with this. This is perhaps my favorite comment right now from Black Widow in the Republic of Ireland. If we're going to see Carm rap, we may as well see her do burlesque. Carm, I know you're watching. Let me know if you're down for that. Um, We'd have to arrange it. That would have to be behind a paywall. Uh, Everyone would have to pay at least uh, $100,000 up front for that. Um, But it might be worth it in the end. Uh, Looking at Bonnie Lee Lopez's comment, she's uh, telling me I took the emotion out of it, which is trying to. We're all we're all good, Bonnie Lee Lopez. Um, last final final question for you on this, Phil. Then we'll pivot um, onto another possible serial killer, Brian Koberger. But um, I assume if you were the lead investigator here, you'd want that letter in your possession, and I assume. Uh, the Oklahoma t- Fox station gave it to police. But let's say they said uh, we're a media outlet. Uh, we're going to keep this in our possession. Um, you know, we don't need to give it to you. Would you execute some sort of warrant to get this letter? Does law enforcement have to have this letter in their possession? You talking to me? Talking to you, Phil Waters. <laughs> The one and only. Well, I would do whatever I needed to do to get a court order, search warrant, whatever it would be, if uh, if they want to uh, continue to, you know, elevate the station over this issue. Uh, it would be uh, irresponsible of them not to just turn the letter over. That would be kind of stupid. 
they got the letter, they put the letter out there, they get the credit for it, yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, it's, I, but I don't know. I mean, Joel, I mean, it's a different world in journalism now where, you know, it used to be that journalists reported the news. Now they spend most of their time making the news. So, um, or making the news up. So I, yeah, I would do whatever I needed to do to uh, obtain that piece of evidence because that's what it is. Uh, I should come to the defense of media, but uh, there's times where I agree with that. I have a very um, torn opinion on the uh, state of media. I think a lot of it is broken. I think a lot of it is necessary, but uh, that's not what anyone really wants to hear about. Maybe one day we'll do a uh, a whole show on the state of media because it's in trouble. But uh, moving along here to uh, Brian Koberger. Phil calls him the evildoer, of course. We always remember the victims. We've got... Uh, Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and of course, Ethan Chapin. I did not meet her, but Stacy Chapin, Ethan's mother, was at CrimeCon, which uh, was big of her to go there this close to the murder. It hasn't even been a year yet, and everyone was just uh, talking about her like she was incredible, and I'm sorry I didn't get to meet her. Um, by the way, Tracy S. says 100K, it's not neat enough. I don't know that. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, so, Scott Duffy, now I just got nervous that I just asked you a question, but then I said I'm not talking to Scott enough, then people will yell at me, so I just panicked and I went back to Scott here uh, just so you know what's going on in my mind. But So, uh, it was revealed in court documents as a gag order. We don't know much, but we just found out that uh, law enforcement has been doing uh, quite an extensive search of Brian Koberger's online movements. They've executed search warrants with Amazon. Uh, they were asking for his customer click activity. Uh, this was requested back in May, and uh, they gave it to uh, them in July. All this was just uh, released. But is any of this anything that you wouldn't expect? Uh, they're trying to figure out if he purchased a knife on Amazon. So. Um, wouldn't one expect investigators to go through his search history on Amazon and see what he was buying and at what times? Absolutely. This is just, this continues to show the importance of this digital footprint that he has left. And, and so just like DNA has come up to this, to where we are 2023 with genealogy solving so many different crimes with the investigators that actually look into and put in piece together. No difference than in the, in the original days of cell phone and, and then their ability to track. And now of course, cell phones with, with regards to hitting off towers and how you're able to, it, great investigators are actually able to put you to, to a, to a particular point as opposed to a, a wider area like the earlier days. And so here, not only trying to locate the weapon if the weapon hasn't been found, I don't I don't know if it has or hasn't, but but the every time that he goes on any one of these sites anywhere, and it's important to know exactly what he has become a member of. Each and every time that he goes on a site, let's say from his phone or his computer, it continues to give a detailed location at the time that he's on. 
He could be right before he throws his phone into airplane mode. He could be um, on a particular website. And so you, even though you have the, 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 the tracking through the phone, you also have other like Google or a Siri or app, whatever one of these that are able to say, well, you know, he's done this as a result. And all that just continues to lessen the gap that they may have between steps and so forth and so forth. So it's just, um, they're just making sure that they have absolutely everything with regards to a digital footprint. Um, so this way, nothing can be uh, thrown at them during a trial if this goes to trial and say, well, I, I, I didn't do that. And it just, even though it may not affect the case, it just gives the defense a chance to say, ah, if you didn't do it, then what else didn't you do? Uh, by the way, they're also looking not just at Amazon, but at his Apple account, his PayPal, Venmo account, Spotify, uh, as well as YouTube. I wonder if uh, Koberger was watching STS. I bet you he was, because who wouldn't? Um, you'd be a fool not to. Uh, the Apple warrant was uh, executed on August 1st. Old Lady Snoop says, good question. Joel, when does your book drop? Glad you asked. Father's Day this year. It, I just got it back from the editor, um, and I've got to go through and make corrections uh, Carm was screaming at me that I misspelled all her friends' names. They're all Serbian names. Uh, they're impossible to spell. So I gave Carm a homework assignment. I said, get on your laptop, correctly write out the names in Serbian, but in English, and give them to me, and I will give them to the editor so they are correctly spelled. I was just kind of spelling them phonetically, but I got to go through this entire book right now. Uh, and I call my mom, and she loves reading about herself. So I call her, but she's reading the book. And then she continues to read while I'm on the phone with her. So it's just dead silence and it drives me crazy. And by the way, people, Phil Waters and Scott both saw this. People have accused me of this all being shtick between my mom and I, a Yiddish word. Uh, Scott Duffy, you saw us in action uh, off camera. Uh, we carry on like lunatics, don't we? Absolutely. It, it just... <laughs> Fantastic to have watched. And literally, like you're saying, off camera to watch you guys, it's just um, you, you, uh, you, what you need is a reality show. You guys need a camera on you 24-7 because so much is said. There's so much. Your mom just, it just, it's like she needs a recorder because uh, there's so, so much. I can't even... Describe it. I was laughing, laughing, <laughs> laughing my butt off. Um, by the way, I don't even hear her accent. I'm immune to everything she says, but she said like Susan Constantine at one point, uh, Phil Waters was doubled over, called my, said that my mother is like a Sicilian grandmother, which means she curses a lot and is crazy, but I don't even hear it, but it does go on. And I got to tell you, um, when it's off camera, it's, it's a lot more, um, intense that's when the curse words really fly she puts me down um and it gets really wild so maybe we maybe that's what we got to do is just get a camera on her 24 7 uh analytical blarney says media discussion is a whole tailspin of kerfuffle um that's interesting uh phil waters i've never asked you this question but i'm curious about this since we were calling you an alpha male that you are i picture you uh very easily in the narcotics unit um, at the Houston PD, literally running down the street, 
tackling people, handcuffing them, smacking their heads around, whatever you used to do. What was that transition like into homicide where you're, I mean, it's much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm, I'm brain dead on a Friday, but I don't know. You're using your, your mind and you're analyzing and it's a lot slower pace and there could be days where you just sit in front of the computer. What was that transition like for you? Well, in terms of pace and stuff to do, I, there was never a moment where it was particularly slow. I mean, we might, it might be a while between scenes and that kind of thing, but there was always something to work on. An old case, an old, old case. Um, so there was never, I don't remember any moments in 23 years where I didn't, I didn't have something to do. It's not spontaneous in the way that patrol work was because that's based on what type of call you're going for, you know, going to at that particular time. And they're all different. The narcotics was a great job. I loved it. And it was a lot of fun. But in my mind, it was a younger man's game. And about the time that I got out of narcotics and went into homicide, it was I'd done that and um, enjoyed it. It was, it was, and I think it, in terms of being able to talk to people and establish relationships, I think it was a great place to work that prepared me for getting into homicide and having the same kind of relationships, but for a different purpose. Uh, I bought a lot of dope from a lot of people, so it would be, uh, you know, would you buy it? Would you buy dope from this man? That kind yeah. of thing. So he's Scott, kind of a big, I, he Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Scott, would you go undercover and buy dope too, Scott? No, I uh, I would use people who were FBI. The way I worked was typically uh, we we would make a pinch, make an arrest of someone that had just purchased the drugs, have a quick, Phil would love this, have a quick come to Jesus moment. They would, uh, a light bulb would go off and they would be like, what do you need me to do? So that that's how it worked for me. By the way, Phil, the word I was looking for was cerebral. Like being a detective is a much more cerebral job as opposed to smashing heads on the cement as a narcotic. No, not, not, not really. I mean, uh, in the narcotics world, working undercover, uh, you, you need to have a quick mind uh, because, you know, I mean, uh, you get the, the you've got to understand your clientele. And there was always a, you know, there's a rumor going around among all the dopers that if, if you asked a police officer, another, you know, an undercover guy, if you asked a guy that, you know, are you a cop, that they by law had to tell you that they were. Mm. And of course, I had that happen to me a couple of times. And the first time it happened to me, my my gut response to it was, you know, hell no, I'm not a cop. Are you? Because yeah. you know, if you're a cop, you got to tell me. And then they would, no, no, well, I'm not a cop. And then that would end the discussion about who's a cop and who's not. 
Yeah, so, that's not a good. That's not a good law. If you're a cop, we've had Phil well, Ramos. Not a law. That's the whole point. <laughs> these idiots believe that it was, and I would just turn it around on them. And, and the first time that I, the first time I was confronted with that, that's what I did. I thought, well, I'm just going to throw it back in his face, and that's what I did, and and it seemed to work. So there is a, uh, I mean, there are some, there are some mental gymnastics that you go through, especially when you're working undercover, because you're not. You know, you're a whole different person to them, and you have to emulate that persona uh, to those people until you are successful in completing the mission, which, which is to buy mass quantities of whatever particular narcotic they are selling you. I would definitely, uh, I'd be horrible in prison, and I'd be horrible undercover as a narcotics guy. Uh, Jay Thomas reset. Phil, would you like to respond? I will go back to what I said in the beginning. They do not have enough admissible evidence to convict Brian Koberger. They need something. Cell towers, no good. Uh, any comment for Jay Thomas reset? Well, with all due respect, Jay, um, we don't know the scope of the evidence that they have. And so I am not going to make a statement like that based on what I don't know. So I, I would imagine that the prosecution believes they have the evidence that they need to find him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So uh, I would never make a blanket statement like that. So I just, I respectfully disagree with, with our friend Jay there. Jay has more for you. 550 cell phones pinged in that area that night. Have any of those been questioned? Interesting. Uh, you should be a defense attorney. Maybe Jay Thomas Reset is a defense attorney. I don't know. Um, well, there's no need. To, there's no need to question those. I mean, you know, we. He admittedly was in the area. I mean, you know, you got to. We've got all sorts of affirmative links, so you can't take one piece of evidence and look at it in a vacuum and say, "Okay, well, that means this," because there's uh, evidence is all connected in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, of course, you wouldn't. He knows that. And I don't even know if this is a rhetorical question or if he's just trying to, you know, bust everybody's balls here. But uh, Jay Thomas uh, is like BTK. He's given, you're his sheriff. You're his sheriff, Verdon. You're his sheriff, Verdon. Um, final thing on Koberger. I thought this was interesting for uh, interesting reason. Scott Duffy, there's a guy named Jack Bayless. He was a former friend of Brian Koberger. He was on with Nancy Grace, who I met at CrimeCon, who is a sweetheart. Some people said, I thought Nancy Grace was going to be mean. She's actually really sweet. Uh, there's a photograph of me and her, and it looks like I am leaning in for a kiss, but I'm just whispering in the ear. Don't get worried, COE. Um, although she makes a great living. I'll tell her that. I'll tell you that. Uh, Nancy Grace, uh, she has a... Uh, this guy on named Jack Bayless, and he says, Scott Duffy, and I quote here, it could have been anyone. It could be your neighbor. It could be your teacher. It could be your best friend of 30 years, Bayless says. There was no clear sign of good or bad, speaking about Koberger. He was just a normal guy with normal circumstances, as far as I know, and that's probably the scariest part. And he goes on, I was playing Call of Duty, which is weird because I you kill a lot of people, with my friends, and my one friend says, did you hear about those murders? The guy that did that lives down the road from me, and I'm like, oh, that's nuts. I looked up Idaho murders and my first thought was, oh, my God, that's Brian. Uh, what I think is so interesting about this is 
we, we go back to evil lurks and sometimes you don't know that it's lurking so close to you people have these double lives these weird things is that not right scott it's absolutely right and he proves the point that we've said way at the beginning of us starting this show just a a any one of us is is capable of some horrific things murders etc and uh it's, you know it's, it's it's a life choice but there there's absolutely um anyone among us uh our neighbors and whatnot we don't we don't really know what's going inside somebody's head much less behind closed doors and and i absolutely can attest you know to, to anything that um you know he's he's describing what he believes as a friend and neighbor of brian koberger that hey i i didn't see anything in him that is being portrayed now so that none of that shocks me whatsoever and i think any anyone is capable of of horrific things it's um it's scary it's scary uh it the great scary. bill waters has once said uh any person under the right circumstances is capable of committing an act of evil or something along those lines uh and he's right and I invoke that quote often. Dom's mom says, just bought my first merch. Can't wait to rep my STS shirt. The merch store is open. Please visit. Uh, this person says, and this is interesting to me, I wanted to be a homicide detective, but my dad forbid it. Uh, interestingly, I'm trying to convince my four-year-old. Uh, I said, look, if you become a homicide detective, you too can have a home in Hawaii and two Ferraris and live in oh. Houston. And uh, he said, you know what, Dad? I'm going to become a homicide detective. And then my four-year-old, after hearing that, found Scott Duffy and wouldn't stop talking to him for like nine hours. And there's photos of that. We'll talk about that the last couple minutes of this show. Um, but the news here, by the way, is mind-blowing. Because now, Bill Waters, I turned my head around last night and I see uh, Jean Bernay Ramsey's father on the television. And apparently there's a new person or persons no say, no say i know you hate that word i was going to ask you why do you hate that phrase persons of interest persons of interest was a show on cbs starring jim caviezel mm. if i'm interested in you you're a suspect so they have a possible suspect mm. right i think yeah. they scott i don't know if you, that that term was coined by some sheriff in California, I think, maybe I, wherever it was, back in the maybe the nineties or eighties, and it just because sounds it sounds very television like persons of interest. Yeah, we have a person of interest. Really, what what does that mean? Even what does that mean? Right. Person of interest. He's a freaking suspect. Just say it. Yeah. Possible suspect. Yeah. So Phil Waters, uh, by the way, very nice of always learning. I've been lurking for months. Finally decided it was time to support my favorite show on Patreon. Appreciate that. Um, I don't know why the job's killing my back, so I might need a uh, back surgery. You might have to start a GoFundMe, all of you, for that, uh, but I'll keep you posted. Um, so there's a, a media outlet. I never heard of it called The Messenger, but apparently this is where this information broke. And uh, the quote is, Phil Waters, there are several people on the radar I know you hate it, but this is the quote, new persons of interest 
And we are seeing if any of them are the key to solving this case. Time will tell if we get the answers. We need this. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. This is coming from a police source. And I don't think there's any names here. Is this media hype? Are they getting people excited over nothing? Uh, we just talked about the media. I have not seen any actual names coming out publicly uh, saying that this is the case. But the Boulder police, they've analyzed nearly a thousand DNA samples over their time. Uh, interviewed a thousand people in 19 states. Um, but now uh, they say that there's five pieces of previously unexamined evidence tested using new DNAs. Let me say that again. Five pieces of previously unexamined evidence tested using new DNA. Could that be the difference maker, Phil? Well, when they're talking about using new DNA, we now have the advent of the last few years, very few years of the genealogical DNA. So uh, I would not be surprised at all if that's, if that's the road they're headed down. And, uh, you know, JonBenet's father was at CrimeCon last year. And uh, I met him and, and, you know, he's, that's a guy carrying around a lot of pain, obviously. And this thing, this happened when in uh, 96, is that 96, 96. Okay. So, and, and I will tell you that was the scene that I am embarrassed for the Boulder police department and the way that scene was handled. And that's why it has been so jacked up since it happened. And the uh, kind of an irony in this thing is that the chief at the time, uh, I think his name was Kobe, uh, was a former deputy chief at the Houston Police Department. So he left the Houston Police Department to go to work in uh, Boulder. And I tell you what, I was watching him talk. I, I'm just, are you kidding me? How in the world could that scene get so out of control? That scene was never, never contained in the way it should have been to conduct an invest a proper investigation. Jacked up from the very, very beginning. They, nobody came in there and took control of that scene. Now, I've seen some interviews of the female detective that was sent out there, and according to her, she had tried to rein that thing in and, for whatever reasons, was told by supervisors and so on to, you know, go on, whatever. And that had been my scene. I'm telling you what, I've been kicking people out of that thing left and freaking right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would have handled the, the, the scene altogether in a much different way. That scene was never secured ever. And so here you have all this confusion and then you've got, you know, the, the mother and, and this no, I mean, that, that invest so convoluted and so screwed up. So I would have to believe that this new lead is going to be based on some kind of genealogical DNA search. 
Very interesting. Uh, Lorna says, echoing your sentiments, they messed up big time. By the way, hard to believe Jean Benet would be 33 years old today. Can you believe that? Um, Scott Duffy, uh, do you agree with the great Phil Waters? Um, we're talking about these five pieces of DNA, and whoever this source is says that Boulder PD are now working, quote unquote, very closely with DNA experts. Do you think this case will ultimately be solved using uh, investigative genetic genealogy? I'd like to know where those five pieces of evidence came from, what what exactly they're retesting, and is it something – so absolutely DNA and, and it's uh, just what experts can do today with it are doing tremendous things for cold cases. If it comes down to DNA, then yes, it will be – a genealogical um, resource that's going to be able to take investigators to that next step, whatever that step may be. But I just don't know what's being tested. And ultimately, if they come across individuals that they can interview, what, you know, what would it be that gives somebody the why is your DNA on such and such a piece of evidence? And that's ultimately what's going to, I don't know if it's leading them down to a suspect or if it's simply going to provide them new leads to go and interview people who, who may or may not have anything to do. It could be, you know, something of somebody that was in the house or, um, but it'd be interesting to see exactly what this DNA is, where it was located and uh, and then, you know, great for investigators to be able to renew and, and develop for new leads, but totally agree. Once you have a destroyed, never controlled crime scene, you know, you know, we're 20 some odd years later into this. And what if, if they were actually able to come up with something? Would they be able to? take it into a court of law I, that I don't know. It's it's the crime scene and, and the lack thereof protecting it is everything. Uh, Bernard C. Who's the guy in the blazer? Uh, that would be Agent Scott Duffy, um, an esteemed veteran of law enforcement who's now a professor, uh, as you can tell with his glasses. And uh, if he saw you in person, there's a chance that he would spin you around and pat you down for asking that question, like he did the guy painting his house. Is there a follow-up? <laughs> there's no follow-up, just who's the guy in the blazer. Um, so we're going to do this story that I'm about to talk about in depth, and then we'll start to wind it down. Shares in the news, too. Uh, anytime you have a celebrity with one name, you got to cover that. We'll cover that super quick after this one. But um, – I've got Dr. Troy Looney. I actually met him at CrimeCon. He's an active Akron police detective, and he's going to come on the show to discuss this very story. Phil Waters, I do not understand this at all. 1,000 children have disappeared from northern Ohio uh, in this year alone. 1,000 minors reported missing. More than 45 children have gone missing in the Cleveland-Akron area this month alone. And in August, there were more than 35 missing minors, according to the Ohio State, uh, Ohio Attorney General's Missing Children website. 
It's creating a disturbing trend in northern Ohio. I'd say that's an understatement. Nearly 30 children went missing in just the first two weeks of the year. They're calling it a law enforcement, an extraordinary surge. And then the attorney general said he thinks that the figure might be inflated due to inconsistencies in updating reports, which the Cleveland police have admitted to in the past. A thousand kids, Phil, what is going on here? Can you please dissect this for us? This sounds horrible. And did I miss something here? What's this have to do with share? Uh, that's separate. That is completely separate. Oh. And I said, anytime you have a celebrity with one name, you've got oh, I, I thought perhaps yeah. Cher was involved in the. <laughs> no, no, she has nothing to do with this, but we'll get to her in a moment. Well, she's actually a very nice lady. You know, I worked as security for her. You did really? I did. Yeah. Had my picture with her and uh, yeah, she was very, very nice. Very nice lady. I'm glad you hear that. I don't know how great a mother she is. I'm sure she's a nice person, but we'll get to that story in a moment. Um, Well, to to your question, I, the last couple of sentences there you read about over-reporting or under-reporting or cases not being cleared out and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that attributes to that number. So you've got people that are reported as missing They take the report, they're runaways, and then they're found, and then they're not, nobody ever calls the police and says, hey, we found So that doesn't get closed. So they're left as an open case, missing person. Um, I don't know how many of those there may be like that. There may be people that are adults, and if they want to go missing, they can go missing. And they did that. And they went missing. And uh, but I think you were saying they're primarily children, right? A thousand children. That a thousand like, kids and mo- yeah, a teens and minors. So, yeah. I, it would have to be uh, probably a combination of things. Cases not being closed out. People not notifying authorities that their kid has come back, and so forth and so on. And but even if Let's just say for the sake of our discussion that that only covers about 10% of those folks. That's still an incredible number. Uh, and I don't know what the, I'd be interested to the, what's the ratio in regards to every 100,000 population in that particular city? Is that, is this a, uh, is this an inordinate amount? Of missing kids they're calling you, it yeah i mean they're calling it an extraordinary surge i mean call me naive but i thought if there was like 50 missing kids there's a lot but this is a thousand so even if you're factoring half of that into like misreporting that's still 500 kids it just seems like a ton of kids to me by the way Dom, well, so it's, and i don't know how you said akron ohio this is northern it's cleveland akron the northern part of ohio the northern oh part that area yeah, that, that whole area. area. Yes. Okay, well now you've now you've spread the uh, the rain. You've cast the, the net has been cast in a wider area. So yes, um, I don't know. Again, I would be uh, curious as to how does that break down within the area? So it's a thousand missing kids per what capita per 
100,000 population, or I mean, I just don't know what the the numbers mean necessarily, other than it's a thousand kids missing. So I I'd have to get, I guess, more of a uh, context of what does that mean? Does that mean a thousand kids missing in a populated area of over a million people? To me, that doesn't seem like a huge number. Or is that a thousand missing kids in a populated area of a hundred thousand people? That seems to me to be a rather large number, given that that comparison. So I'd have to get a little bit more information. Uh, whether it's one kid or a thousand, it's all uh, terribly alarming to whoever that is affecting and whatever community it affects. Well put, Phil. Uh, Dom's mom with a good question. Tali from Israel had a great question. Asked if you got to talk to anyone at CrimeCon about Ellen Greenberg. I did talk. I didn't speak to relatives of Ellen Greenberg because I talked to them under normal circumstances, but I did speak to a bunch of creators and urge them to work on it. So uh, hopefully we'll have some news uh, with that and getting some more attention uh, shown on that story. Um Someone here is saying human trafficking. Uh, Scott Duffy, just quickly here. So uh, the uh, chief there in Cleveland says, uh, you know, we do our best to encourage compliance and improve assistance to remove barriers. But at the end of the day, we have to rely. I think this is the attorney general, actually. We have to rely on our local partners that we don't control. I'm fearful of all kinds of things that fall, fall through the cracks. That includes missing children. Um Seems a little insensitive as he's talking about things that fall through the cracks, including children. But like Phil just said, one missing child is too many. Uh, do you think that this is just a case of bad bookkeeping by law enforcement or there's something more sinister at play? Someone had a great comment. They listed that section of Ohio. There's like, you know, 10 different big highways that go through there. Uh, what do you think? What's the bigger story here, uh, Scott? I I. A thousand is in a in a year, and then especially in the last month it's, or so, we had yeah. And by the way, it's a thousand this year so far, and we're yeah, only in September, October now, I guess. And then the comment you had about the attorney general—it sounds like there is an admin issue, which I I think Phil was talking about, where if a, a child could be put into a juvenile can run away, or a juvenile may not show up back at home. And, and due to the change in laws over the years that nobody wait for a juvenile, you know, you can have a department that will put somebody in and uh, just for, for being a couple hours late. And, and so it, there may be an admin issue where that child is not taken out. Um, and so the, it's a, it's a highly conflated number. That's why I would like to know what, what the actual number of reported is that are not recovered. That's what I would like to know. What's the recovery rate? Uh, that's a great, that's a great question. What is the recovery rate? And I'm going to ask our experts on uh, Tuesday night. We've got uh, Dr. By the way, special time Tuesday night because Troy Looney teaches and uh, he's not available till 7 30 PM Eastern time. I'll put that out on Twitter at, podcast STS PB in North Carolina says Ohio ranks fifth in the States uh, for human trafficking. So that doesn't bode well. Um, Phil waters. I lied before we get to share. I know you know about the story because it was big news. Uh, Sydney Powell, an Ohio woman 
She shook and wept as she was sentenced this past Thursday to 15 years to life. She beat her mother with a frying pan pan and stabbed her more than 20 times after her parents found out she was uh, kicked out of college. Judge Kelly McLaughlin gave 23-year-old Sidney Powell the minimum allowed under the law for the brutal killing. Uh, she killed her mother, Brenda Powell. The defense said that she suffered from undiagnosed schizophrenia. She had a psychotic break. The mom found out that she was kicked out of school. She took this frying pan. She bashed her in the head and then stabbed her all these times. My question to you is, does she deserve the full extent of the legal punishment allowed or would you feel empathetic to her because the defense says she had undiagnosed schizophrenia and had a psychotic break? What say you, Phil Waters? Well, the undiagnosed schizophrenia and the, uh, what was the other, her other? Uh, just she had a psychotic break, and that's what. She had a psychotic her. break. Uh, those mental health issues don't uh, justify the wrong that she did. And if she understood the wrong that she did, and what she did, uh, I'm sorry, beating your mom to death with a freaking frying pan and stabbing her 30 times, I'm sorry. Um, she needs to be held accountable for what she did, and in my view, in a severe way. And, um, you know, now I understand that. The system is, is, it's a balance of justice and mercy. And if justice is what we deserve, mercy is what we need. And perhaps that judge in that case decided to balance more on the mercy side than on the justice side. And I'm not there. I'm not, I don't know the entire case or the backstory to that case. So, I perhaps may have come to the same conclusion based on what that judge knows that I don't. But looking at the facts, I think using this schizophrenic stuff and these other mental health issues as some kind of a uh, mulligan to give this person a lesser sentence, I think that is a horrible, horrible argument, in my opinion. And... I just, I, I don't, I don't buy that. Now, if the judge, again, for other reasons, decided to show a great degree of mercy here, then perhaps that would, I would understand it more. But based on those two things, no, no. There are two people I can always count on to give their opinion to me, and that would be Uncle Phil and my dear mother. And uh, Mom, I know you're listening. <laughs> I never well, I'm in good company then. I am in good yes. company then. Yes, you are. And I've never hit my mother with a frying pan, by the way. Uh, Liz says, sorry, you do the crime. You do all the time. Um, I admittedly do not know much about this case, but always learning does. Says Sidney Powell also tried to cover it up by pretending to be her mother on the phone after she killed her mother. Uh, Anna Lissette raises an excellent point here, and I'm glad she did. Lots of people are mentally ill. And most do not commit serious crimes. I'm glad that you said that because that is very true. As Carm says, we're just trying to survive in a rough world. And uh, it was a rough week for me coming down from CrimeCon. Real quick before we get to CrimeCon to close out the week. Uh, Scott Duffy, um, share 
you know the celebrity. Uh, she's got one name, Cher. Uh, she used to be married to a guy named Sonny. And uh, she allegedly, this is pretty serious, she allegedly hired four men to kidnap her son. She was doing this out of love. His name is Elijah Blue Allman. Uh, she had a child with Greg Allman from the Allman Brothers. Uh, so she tried to kidnap her son uh, from his estranged wife, Marie Angela King. Um, she made these accusations as part of an ongoing divorce case. They're getting a divorce. He is a kind of a notorious heroin addict, been in and out of rehab, has had many problems. But she sends in basically uh, some henchmen. She says that people came to our hotel room and physically removed him and uh, basically kidnapped him, in essence. Uh, what do you make of this? Is this potentially serious? Is this something that law enforcement is going to have to really look at? And is it would it ever be possible to bring charges to share with one name? I mean, she's up there with Oprah, Madonna, Elvis. I mean, that's a big name. Could you Bill, ever arrest Cher? I don't see this going mm. to to a criminal court. No, I don't. I mean, I I um. How come? Of course, there are some. Let's just say everything is true. All the facts bear out. But I think um, I don't. I don't. I just don't see this. Regardless of it being Cher or anybody else, that you you. You have circumstances where in the days, I know it still happens, but you have uh, young people getting involved. They think they're making a right decision, but they get involved in these communities, these communes, a lot of brainwashing going on, drug activity, et cetera. And, and, and a loved one is outside that community trying to figure out how to get their loved one out of it so they can give them some sense of reality. But I I don't know enough here. I would imagine you have uh, a son who's loved and and making some, at least in one person's mind, some terrible, terrible decisions. And so you want to get somebody out of that situation at all. I'd be interested to see what exactly were the circumstances of this person being taken out of a room. Um, gently or brought to a restaurant for, you know, a discussion. I don't know. I don't see this going anywhere other than, you know, some, some, and, some shows having some fun with it. And make sure you take immediately to an Applebee's. It's probably okay. Yeah. Look at this. Liz W uh super sticker to get my mom some beautiful flowers. She's coming over tomorrow. I will, I will go and buy her some flowers uh, you have my word, and I will give them to uh, Carm. Go ahead, Phil. So <clears throat> this thing with Cher, let's, <laughs> let, it, it sounds to me like it's an intervention, what it sounds to yes, me. Yes, yes, this yes, yes. This guy has had a lot of problems mm -hmm. over the years. And this ain't a kid we're talking about. Yeah, he's in he his mid 47, late 40s. He's 47 years old. Yes. Okay? So it isn't like... Cher rolled in there and snatched up some kid and let, she went in there. It sounds to me an intervention, this ex-wife, whatever she's doing to make this guy's life miserable through the divorce. And who knows what school the backstory is. There's always a backstory. Perhaps 
He's back on heroin again. He's having drug. Who knows? But that sounds to me like it's not Cher acting. It is mom acting to protect her son. And she went in there on an intervention. That's what it sounds like to me. And this ex, soon to be ex-wife, estranged wife, whatever she is, she's trying to get her 15 minutes because she wants the most she can get out of this divorce settlement. It's divorce So, you know, there's a big backstory here, and, you know, just leave it alone. The only reason we know anything about it is because she's Cher, so you're right. Uh, by the way, Patricia Burns, her real name is Sherilyn Sarkisian, Sarkisian, yep. I guess. Yep. Uh, by the way, Flyover Girl makes an excellent point. Carm has one name, too. You're right. Uh, she's up there with Oprah, Cher, Elvis. And uh, I don't know who else has one name, but let me know. Uh, Always Learning has this to say. Phil is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the GOAT. Um, so let me say this on a very serious note. I met, I, I go to CrimeCon. We parked our car. I brought my kids and my wife and my mother, the only guy at CrimeCon to do that, guarantee you that. And within... Nine seconds of crossing the plane of the door at the Orlando World Center Marriott, I turn around and I see exactly what I expected. A giant man lumbering toward me in a Hawaiian shirt, khaki shorts, and slippers. And from that very moment, I felt like I knew Phil Waters my entire life. I truly love this guy. Fantastic human being. Uh, all those who give him crap, he has a heart of a giant, as he is. He's not that tall, but he's a big dude. could definitely take you down if you're in a narcotics uh, sting. And uh, shortly after that, I met Scott Duffy, and I had the exact same feeling. I really feel like I love these guys like brothers slash uncles. And uh, meeting them, I'm so glad I met them because now I feel forever bonded on this show. And I'm just sad that everyone else has not had the pleasure of meeting Scott and Phil. Um, Phil, what was the highlight besides meeting me of your crime con experience? Well, I, I tell you, and people aren't going to believe this, but it was, it was meeting you finally. Mm, thank you. It was meeting your mom, meeting Scott, because just like you said, it was like we had, and we had never not had a conversation. We had never, you know, it was like, boom, the minute we're together, we're just like, like we grew up together. It was, it was just kind of an interesting dynamic there. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I got to add to that. You know, it's weird. Like when you meet someone in person, there's always like that kind of, it's like a blind date. It's like an awkward moment. I had none. I honestly had none of that with Phil and Scott and, like I turn around, like Scott was hanging with me and we went to get lunch and my three kids who are not shy, by the way, but my four-year-old, I mean, Scott, he was interrogating you, right? Like I've never heard this kid talk so much. He can't believe that he was talking to a real police officer, but I mean, Scott, what the hell was he asking you? I don't even know. Hmm. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's two of us. I I tell you, just just the uh, the three of your children were were. It goes to show where they they've come from. They have the gift of gab. They um, 
fantastic questions and very entertaining. There was it was um, it it you know. To well, be I, I only to... I only got to see uh, Sweet Vita. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't get to well, see. We got in a little trouble because kids are not supposed to be a crime con. The first day they were helping me with the booth, and uh, I kind of oh, had wow. to kick him, I had to kick him out. I made him go to the pool alone. No, wow. I, I had to, I would never. I would. There was someone there uh, helping. But I love little Vita. Vita was great. She was. Yeah. She was she's, taking care of me, and uh, she was just awesome. She's an angel. She's a and Eliana was too. Yeah, I want to throw Eliana in there too. So we we finally got to meet. Your That's the COE, family. everyone. That's the COE. But go ahead, Phil. And, and she is beautiful. She is awesome. She knows what she's doing. And when we when we did that that live broadcast, <laughs> biggest oh, disaster. Ever. They're gonna try and, to uh, they're gonna try to hook us up with an actual space in Nashville, so we don't have that disaster. But if it wasn't, well, yeah, the, we, with the crime con rules, right? Before you do it, so we were in violation, you know, of the rules. Which is fine with me because I've always thought it was better to ask for forgiveness than it was permission. But, um, but she was just she was awesome. She was awesome. Now I just got to I just got to change her mind about her taste in cars. But other than that, she was. I thought you were going to say her taste in men. So I'm not. That's that's bad. No, no, no. I think the uh, I think she she did she did quite well in that uh, in that arena. Yes. Oh, thanks, Phil. Look and especially, that. especially when you shared with Scott and I, when both of you shared with Scott and I, <laughs> how you all met. <laughs> that is the most awesome freaking story I think I have ever heard about people meeting. I thought my, well, mine was much more romantic with my wife, but, but yours, I, I, I don't think anybody could top that one. That was just. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to wait for another book for that one. But uh, just, look, look. It just goes to show, it goes to prove that God created someone for everyone. Yes, that's true. This is true. Uh, I, don't way, know if, I don't know if the, we didn't talk about that on this, on the uh, air, did we? No, no. Okay. And we won't. <laughs> but I'm just telling you folks, it's an awesome freaking story. Maybe not it's so in your book. Is it in your book? It's not in my book yet, but no. it will be. It will be. You need, um, to, you need to you need to edit that book and, and add that in because that is a great story. Uh, Catherine Regier says, "Love the picture of the three of you. Thank you." Um, by the way, it was Scott Duffy's birthday, and the humble guy that he is, he kind of said that in passing. So I made sure we put a candle in his slice of chocolate cake at dinner, and we sang "Happy Birthday." Uh, Audrey wants to know, will you all be in Nashville? Uh, Phil and Scott, will you be there? I already bought my tickets. I'm going. Well, if they ask me, I will. I will go. Hmm. I hope that's going to be another me. trip uh, from Hawaii. By the way, it's at the end of May, first of June, I think. Yeah, that's another long trip for, but yeah, it's still on the East Coast. It's going to be a super long trip. Scott Duffy, you are um, you're a the way I am with news. You are with true crime. You're a bit of a true crime geek, if I may call you that. Um, you got to see Dr. Michael Bodden, Nancy Grace other big names. Uh, what was the highlight for you besides meeting Phil Waters? Yeah, I, I just got to say to, to meet you, your family, I feel, and Phil, I, I was with a friend of mine, uh, another podcaster, former FBI agent, retired FBI agent. We were at this big, whatever that kickoff party was. 
And I just, I had not met you guys. And then when you came in, I was like, I got to go. And, um, and then just a few minutes later to see Phil outside being, being, you know, so many fans, you guys have so many fans. It was amazing to, I was to blown watch. away by that. I was blown I was, away. I was that. absolutely. It's amazing how popular I'm just telling your audience, how popular you guys are. And I don't, it, it's one thing to have heard about Carm, um, to have seen a few times on, on your show, but then to watch her in action and how many people from the celebrity of the celebrity to the, the, the thousands of people that were there to have, to know her by name, to, it, 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 it was, um, I was just watching in awe. And yes, I, I have watched many different uh, podcasters and of course the, the true crime, uh, the, 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 those who are, in that the that world um to see them in the flesh is a little bit of a it, it was a starstruck moment for me and to to be riding on your coattails and they're all yelling joel joel and uh, so thank you for that moment it was it was nice to take a few pictures i do have um I, I like to keep these uh, these memories and these keepsakes and for them to if, if I was alone, they would have guards and security would have whisked me away and thrown me out the door. But to that when when they knew you and you made that kind introduction to so many, it was um, it was very nice. And and so it's just the whole moment. I felt like it was uh, uh, family. And, and to finally meet you in the flesh, both of you to have done this for seven, eight months now uh, was, was definitely a highlight. And, and so I thank you. It was quite, quite a privilege to have been there. Duffy, you ain't riding no coattails. You're going to be a speaker at the next one. Uh, NJ Cool Chick says, uh, by the way, the COE is going to organize this. She's going to get a group rate for STS Nation. I really don't know how she's going to do it. Maybe I'll have her put a short video out. I would love to rally the troops and get like a real presence there. It would be awesome. And I'll say this again. It ain't crime con. It's Carm con going to crime con. So if anyone, I already got a couple of submissions on this, but if we have any graphic artists that want to make like a cool design that I can make a Carm con shirt for crime con, that would be incredible. So send them my way. Um, I already got a couple and I love them, but uh, the more the merrier. Um, yeah, Jody Johnson, if you come, I can give you a ride in the uh, Chrysler Pacifica minivan. Uh, Phil might drive. Uh, he's coming from Hawaii. I was going to say he might bring his yellow Ferrari. Um, and by the way, Phil did this amazing thing. I told you at the beginning where he took people through the interview process. It was really cool. There's something that we can do with that. We're trying to figure it out, um, but we're going to come up with some way to share that with all of you. Um, but it was incredible. Uh, it was an incredible, I don't see it say that often. And I, not to like pat myself on the back, but I've covered a lot of big things, which I have. I covered the Super Bowl, I covered the World Series, covered big cases, but there's something about this community. Um, everyone, you know, when you're in news, you're just uh, anonymous, like you're a pane of glass. People just look through you. But here, there's a real sense of community, people taking care of each other. It was really awesome. So that's my spiel. Um, that's it. It's Friday. Uh, Nugget has not made an appearance. Um, 
Scott Duffy, what's your plan for tonight before we roll out? Nugget Nugget has returned to her pillow on the couch. Mm. By the way, I have a serious problem, uh, right? As I was, I, I, and I'm dead serious about this. So if anyone can solve this for me, I live in Miami. So there's a pool in our backyard. And my beloved Ethel, I don't know why, how, what happened, but somewhere from being eight weeks old to now, she refuses to drink out of a water bowl. And she thinks that the pool is her water bowl. Now, the pool is not chlorinated. It's actually a very low amount of sodium. They use salt. But she will only, no matter, I have tried walking her. I have a fountain in my, like a dog fountain because she likes, she's obsessed with a hose. But if there are any dog lovers out there, I'm terrified what's to come for Ethel Bug Johnson because she only drinks pool water. And I cannot, I can bring a boxer to a water bowl, but I cannot make her drink. Um, if anyone has any suggestions, please let me know. Phil, have you ever heard of this problem? I have not heard of that. That's a new one. Uh, but, uh, Hearing, apparently, uh, by hearing. the way, uh, the vet told me that cats have this issue. Cats only like to drink from running water. Ethel is obsessed with the hose. Like if I'm spraying a hose, we've gone through 30 hoses and I've lived in this house for three years, but she will not drink. Nugget drinks from a bowl, right, Phil? Yeah. Look at this. Oh, there it is. The COE put this up just now. It's a great, great shot. Look at that. You need to send me those pictures you took. I don't have any of these. I'm going to say, I say this in a loving way. Phil is a robust man. He's hard to push over. You can see those calf muscles right there with the the slippers. Um, But yeah, if anyone, someone says, uh, hold on, I'll take that. Uh, bottled water. That'll never work. It's got to be like running water. I don't know what to do. I'm worried about her. Uh, Black Widow says my dog only drinks rainwater. Right, well, maybe the vet told me she wouldn't be drinking it if it was bad for her. But anyway, I I digress. Um, Scott Duffy, uh, your final thoughts tonight. What are you doing? Are you hanging with the wife tonight? I have classes all weekend, so I'll be doing a little what? bit of studying so the professor can no, just a little bit more than the student. What do you mean classes all weekend? What does that mean? Wilmington University has classes where you can get your your credits in on uh, two weekends. Fantastic uh, model, and I enjoy it. So for two weekends, you can get your credits for a course. I must interrupt you, Scott. Look at this. Just email the COE at survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com if you want discounted crime con tickets. She's going to handle it. Uh, there you go. Um, so you're teaching all weekend. How many like how many classes do you teach? I think right now I have, the, for the fall, I think I'm in three. So it's, um, so this is one course that will be knocked out in two weekends hmm. in October. Yep. So there's no late night, no hangover for you tomorrow. Probably not tonight. Okay. Uh, Phil Waters, Friday night, pizza, Bible study, and pizza? Bible study is Saturday. Uh, tonight will be Bible study. Tomorrow night will be pizza. And uh, just review, I'm wearing my Magnum PI Aloha shirt today. I had to take the 308 down to have some work done on it. So that's why I'm 
sport in this. Um, back to your comments about Eminem being the greatest oh. lyricist ever to be. I, I I will defend him to my dying day. I think he's a genius. Well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, By the uh, way, Victoria, I got my dog a fountain dog. Well, she won't drink out of it. She stares at me like will a never. He will never hold a candle to the lyric genius of Don Henley and Glenn Fry. Hmm. I would, I, listen, I'm, I know I'm not a music guy. I'll tell you this. When I wrote my book, for some reason, don't ask me why. I listen. You'll like this, Phil. I listened to tons of Johnny Cash and Chris Christopherson. I have no idea why. Never listened to Chris Christopherson a day in my life. But there was something about I like to listen to like it was easy to listen to. And I was just like watching people and writing. Uh, Abby, your daughter says that's my favorite of Phil's shirts. So that's a big endorsement. It's a big endorsement. Thank you, daughter. Uh, this person says Eminem is a beast. Uh, it goes on. So, Phil, uh, you're a man of habit, and uh, you're going to just go do pizza tonight and, again, Bible studies tomorrow. No, other way around. Other way around. Oh, sorry. Catherine says, I agree, Phil, the Eagles, as in your boy Don Henley. And as a matter of fact, Randy Miser just passed away. As a matter of mm. fact, yeah, just passed one of the original, one of the original members of the, of the, who's Phil, who's your, if I had to say, pick one, who's your favorite musical artist? No, uh, no, I, I, well, I'd say the Eagles. I mean, if I had to pick one, I would say the Eagles. I, I, I grew up with the Eagles. Um, they're just, uh, you know, it's kind of that, uh, kind of my life kind of stuff with the Eagles and, uh, the, uh, my wife and I saw him in concert in 2020 and uh, in Houston, and they did the, their tour was uh, Hotel California, and it was just amazing, amazing, amazing. They got Vince Gill that's been traveling with them for the last four or five years. Deacon Fry, Glenn Fry's son, mm. had picked up right where his dad left off, and that's a that's you know I don't get to caught up in uh, rock and roll stars music and all that stuff. When they die, they die, you know, like everybody's going to die. And I don't really get too caught up in it, but, but there were two, there were actually, there were three uh, musicians that died in my lifetime growing up and on on into adulthood. Uh, Jim Croce, Died when I was in high school. Dan Fogelberg died long before his time was was due, and Glenn Fry. And those three guys, uh, to me, because they were all just fantastic musicians, and they their songs had meaning behind them. And uh, and again, your boy there has got to look up to see bottom on those three guys, four guys, Don Henley included. But uh, those three guys, when they passed away, I uh, I had a just a feeling of sadness that we had lost just a great, great resource in terms of communication and music when those when those three folks passed away. So, uh, uh, but I would say if I was going to have to pick one, I'd say 
Eagles. And then beyond that, I mean, I like, you know, I've got a pretty varied taste. I like Merle Haggard. I like the Hag. Mm. Uh, seen him in concert. I mean, you know, these guys that I grew up. Actually, my first concert, my first concert, I was in junior high, I believe. And it was the Monkees, if you can believe it, the Monkees. Look at this. This is Space Coast. This is the COE's brother, my brother-in-law. One of my friends was a tour manager for the Eagles for a while. This, By the way, Space Coast is a deadhead. I can call him that. He loves, uh, he's a big music guy. Knows well, okay. Music. Here's a little bit of trivia for you. Yeah. I have to interrupt. You know, I have to stay with my. 100%. I got a story to top all stories I after style, this. Right? So, you said deadhead. All right. The Grateful Dead. Yeah. I have sitting in my office. A telephone, an old tiny telephone, um, that was owned by one of the drummers for the Grateful Dead. Hmm. Um, Bill, Space, uh, Space Bill, Coast is uh, going to call you for that. Bill, Bill Weir? I Weir? think his name is Bill Krutzman, something oh, like that. Know. Bill Krutzman, one of the drummers for the Grateful Dead. And I have this old tiny telephone. This thing weighs a ton, and uh, it's the old, you know, got the little rack on it and all that, all that little deal. And you hang it up on there. And, and uh, I've got to clean it up though, because I want to see who actually made the telephone. It's got the, the label on it, the you know, the little placard on it, and it was owned by Crucial by Bill Crutchman, and I got it from. The guy who married his ex-wife. This is Space Coast. You're, he spelled it for you, Kreutzman. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's it. That's Space, it. Space Coast wants the phone. Maybe you can sell it. Well, uh, you'll have to make me an offer. There you go. There you go. I'm going to leave you with this story. When we were living in L.A., I went to a synagogue, and I didn't go often, but I went. And then there were services on Yom Kippur. You know who goes to this synagogue every Yom Kippur? which just passed, by the way, he comes for 20 minutes. It's a very small place. No one pays him any mind. Perhaps the most famous of them all, Bob Dylan, comes in oh, for wow. 20 minutes. He's wearing a, he wears like a hoodie, like an, like a, what do you call that? Like a Gore-Tex, 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 whatever that is. And it's like a hoodie that covers like up to here. He's a little tiny dude, comes in says what he's got to say to the man upstairs 20 minutes every year. That's it. He comes in, comes out. Um, no one pays him any mind as a driver comes through the side door and out he goes. Uh, well, you know, Bob, said, Dylan became, Bob Dylan became a born again Christian. Did you know that? Yeah, he did. And then went back. It's weird. Uh, you never know. But by the way, um, someone says, I thought Bob Dylan sold his soul. Um, Someone said that they pinned you for a Credence Clearwater guy, Phil. Oh, I, Cosmos Factory, Green River. Oh, yeah, I had all the Credence Clearwater albums. I sure did. Yeah, I'm a CCR guy. Scott Duffy, so I don't get hate mail. Who's your favorite artist? And then we'll rock. Yeah, I, see, I'm one of those that just love listening to music, and then I really don't know who's singing it. But I, I will say <laughs> locally. I will say locally. Scott's like me. I'm the same way. The, uh, in Philadelphia, every year go to uh, Philadelphia band, the Hooters. They always play locally, just a couple miles up the road. And then I'll just last week, I went to go see 
and I was, I wouldn't leave because it was so good. Peter Gabriel. Mm. There you go. The Hooters, believe it or not, played at my college, believe it or not. What's their famous that. song? I can't remember that. There was, um, I can't think Hooters? of the song. I don't, the Hooters. It's a random band. This random band. Um, Bobby Zimmerman. That's Bob Dylan. Uh, listen, guys. Loved meeting both of you. Loved the show today. Love STS Nation. I would say best guess. Uh, better community. Someone says Pink Floyd is cool, too. Uh, and the list goes on. George Thorogood. That sounds like a Phil Waters kind of guy. Uh, Eric Clapton. Yeah, the uh, Destroyers. Yeah, Eric Clapton. So yeah. Eric Clapton in concert. That was freaking awesome as well. Sadly, fact, the, Eagles, the Eagles are on their farewell tour, as a matter of fact. And uh, it's going to go on to 2024. And wherever they are near Houston or going to be in Houston, uh, my wife and I are going to go to their last farewell tour concert. So. There you go, oh, James yeah, Taylor. By the way, no, no one knows more about music than Space Coast. Love you, America. Love you, Houston, Texas, the Big Island of Hawaii, Delaware, Philadelphia, the Republic of Ireland, Tasmania, Australia, um, Cutter, Doha, Doha Cutter, uh, and everywhere in between. Until next time. Aloha. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.